Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well That's done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? This weekend's Words and Nerds episodes are brought to you by Readings Books and Music, an independent bookseller with seven stores across Melbourne. You can go to readings.com.au to buy books online, check out our upcoming events, and for the lowdown on the winner of the 2021 Readings YA Prize, Future Girl by Asphyxia. We hope to see you again soon. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm author Vanessa McCausland, and I'm thrilled to be guest hosting today's episode. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. Today, I'm talking to Rachel Givney, who's just released her beautiful, moving, meticulously researched book, The Secrets My Father Kept. It's set in Poland on the eve of the Second World War and is a gripping story of a young woman determined to uncover the truth behind her mother's disappearance and the dark secret from her father's past. Let me introduce Rachel. She's a writer and filmmaker who's worked on projects such as Offspring and McLeod's Daughters, and her films have been official selections at the Sydney Film Festival. Her first novel, Jane in Love, was published in 2020 and will soon be adapted into a feature film by Amazon. Rachel's originally from Sydney and describes herself as spending 13.2 hours every day thinking about stories. Rachel, welcome. Thank you, Vanessa. Lovely to be here. Um, I'm on Sydney's Northern Beaches. Um, can you tell us where you're speaking with us from today? So I'm speaking with you from uh, Turak in Melbourne. I grew up in Sydney in um, the suburb of Cronulla and I moved to Melbourne about five years ago to work on the TV show Offspring. Huh. which is shot in Melbourne, and uh, I uh, stayed here. love the city. Beautiful. Wow. So it was a work move that stuck. It was. Yes, it did. Oh, that's lovely. 
Um, but unfortunately, you're probably about to go into lockdown again. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know if this is number five. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. So, well, uh, we're used to it now. So Absolutely. And it's a good time to read books. <laughs> exactly. So um, tell us a little bit more about your book. Give us your elevator pitch, if you will. So my elevator pitch, so Secrets My Father Kept, is about a 17-year-old girl, Marie, uh, who is looking for her mother who disappeared 15 years ago. Marie lives in Krakow in Poland and the year is 1939 uh, and there are rumours that uh, Herr Hitler is uh, going to invade. So Marie's looking for her mother who disappeared 15 years ago and her father, a brilliant doctor, refuses to talk about what happened and they clash over this. He won't even say what her mother's name was. Eventually, Marie discovers what happened to her mother and this secret will change her life and her father's life forever. So she has to work out whether she's going to reveal it. And she's all trying to find her mother before uh, Hitler invades, uh, invades Poland. There's so much going on in this book. There's so many different tensions pulling. Um, it's amazing. You can tell that you're a master storyteller. <laughs> um, oh, thank you. Yeah. So with, um, with Marie, she, she's amazing. So she's named after Mary Curie. Um, yes. Now, are you interested in science and medicine? Do you have any background or was this all sort of new research and exploration for you? I do. My mother and father are doctors. Ah. Um, my brother is training to be a doctor. And my sister, another sister is uh, a midwife. And another sister has a medical science degree. So I come from a very science, yeah. uh, very medical background. Yeah. So, and I had, I had uh, some good help in the uh, medical scenes. So the main, uh, well, the Marie's father, Dominic, is a doctor. Mm. And Marie wants to be a doctor herself. She wants to follow in her. She wants to follow in his footsteps. Mm. Uh, and she um, encounters tremendous opposition um, to becoming a doctor because um, women just weren't doctors in those days. And um, so she she really has to fight for that. And and that's why it's it's. I describe it really as a coming of age story because it's um, it's this girl uh, working out where she fits in the world, mm. working out how the world works, um, and and working yes, out and that that everything's yes. against her and that she's yes. so desperate to use her mind and yet there's just no way nowhere for her to go. That's um, right. Yes, it was yeah pretty startling the lack of opportunity that women had back then yes absolutely and and I mean it's it still happens today I remember reading a story of um I think it was in Japan I believe of um university entrance exams the results were doctored so that oh. um that reduced the amount of women 
that um, that gained entry, even though that they had passed the exam or done well enough in the exam to um, earn themselves a place, they were still uh, the results were changed so that they felt like that they um, that they wow. didn't succeed um, because um, they felt like they the university people or the powers that be felt like that they would be um, wasting a place mm. on a woman who was just going to be trained up and then go and, um, and, and leave the profession to start a family. Wow, and that, that's still happening. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when I read it. Yeah, it's a, it's, um, yeah, it was probably only a couple of years ago, I think. Wow. Um, so you did a lot of research into this book. Um, it's, yeah, obviously having that background with your family would have helped a lot because, I, I mean, Dominic's character as the doctor and the procedures that he does and, and everything was, just rang so true. I just was like, how did she get this level of detail? Um, but you also travelled to Poland, didn't you, and you learnt Polish I did. <laughs> I did. I, um, I, I, I went to Poland probably, oh, I must have been in my 20s sort of backpacking and I went to Krakow and I, it's this beautiful um, medieval city. It's still got the old walls around it, um, the old Barbican and um, the, the buildings in there, especially in the old town, they remain unchanged um, since World War II. Mm. Um, I think when the Nazis arrived, they thought this town is so beautiful, we're not going to destroy it. So they oh. sort of preserved, um, whereas like other cities in Poland, like Warsaw, were just completely destroyed. Um, so I went there and looked at this beautiful city and it's it's really spooky as well it's it's got quite a gothic feel and it's got you know it's got a terrible bloody history Mm. um Auschwitz um concentration camp is only about an hour's drive away Mm. and um it was one of the main theaters of of World War II Krakow but we don't really read about it that much it's you know if you're reading a World War II novel you might um read it might be set in maybe France or Germany Mm. um so Anyway, so I went there as, um, as a backpacker and I thought if I'm ever going to write a novel set in Europe, it's got to be here. Mm. Uh, and then when I was researching um, Secrets, I went back there um, a couple of times and went to Krakow a few times and went to um, the mountain town of Zakopane, which um, is a key location in the novel, went to Warsaw, um, went to some old Prussian towns, um, mm-hmm. also went to um, Lvov, which isn't in Poland anymore. It's in um, the Ukraine now, but that's where, that's a key location in the novel as well. Mm. And um, yeah, it was just, it's just um, a wonderful country. The people are so um, hospitable there. Wow. Um, there's a Polish saying to um uh, if you if a stranger comes to your door, you invite them in and you offer them bread and a place to stay, and that's that's really yeah. <laughs> what happened. And um, and so I um, have really been really embraced by the Polish community in Melbourne as oh. well. It's been wonderful. Yeah, I've been learning for two years now. It's an incredibly difficult language, wow. uh, but uh, very very enjoyable. And um, it was a great way to access the 
the culture because I think mm. I think culture is communicated through language and um, just spending time a lot of the people in the class who I learn with they're um, of Polish descent mm-hmm. um, so it's really interesting chatting to them about um, where they come from and their family story and mm. um, how they emigrated to Australia and yeah it's um, yeah, a wonderful country I'd um, recommend anybody to go there once lockdown yeah. is finished <laughs> and they open the borders. <laughs> so will your language students be coming to the book launch? <laughs> I um, actually last night I was at a Polish class and I gave my um, Polish teacher a copy of the book. I acknowledge oh. him uh, in the back because he read the book uh, several times and um it gave me lots and lots of great feedback, um, mm. especially on, you know, the accurate portrayal of um, mm. the Polish history. And um, that was a real thrill to um, give him the book and also share the news with him that it is being translated into Polish. Oh, how uh, amazing. Polish publisher has bought it. Yeah. So wow. So you'll be able lovely. to read it in, in the language <laughs> that it's sort of... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I might have to have him next to me. Translating. Say, what yeah, yeah, but I will get him to read it and he can tell me if the, if the oh. translation is up to his standards, yeah. That's so serendipitous. How beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's very, very gratifying to, um, to get that news. And it was bought in Germany as well? It was, yes. It was, um, that was a fabulous surprise. The mm. um, German publisher Lube came in. Uh, with a preemptive deal, uh, this huge deal for six figures. Amazing! Said, You've got forty-eight hours if you if you want it or not. And mm. we sort of spoke to the publisher in, in Australia and said, "Yeah, I think we pretty much want it." But no, that was lovely <laughs> as well. Another another European country, um, you know, to snap it up like that um, is wonderful because. Uh, I don't know if the characters in it are German or of German descent and it's mm. um, it's a period in history which um, is obviously very close to their hearts. Mm. Yeah, and a really um, different way into it as well, a really personal yes. story. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and your own family is from Eastern Europe as well, is that right? Yes. Yes, on my mother's side. Mm. Um, so one of the names Kolokov in the book is the surname of my great grandmother. Wow! So this must just feel like such a personal book to you. Yeah. Well, the I mean, uh, I loved writing the character of Marie because she's such a, a strong woman, and mm. um, her and her mother, the, this woman that she's searching for as well. Mm. Um, as she as she sort of uncovers this mystery, she realizes that her own mother is this really strong woman as well. Mm. And I come from a long line of strong women, mm. so um, that uh, I, I loved writing those characters because yes, it felt very special and very personal for me. Yeah. Now speaking of the mystery, that we won't give away any spoilers, but it's pretty gobsmacking. Um, I think I sort of just had to sit there and (laughs) I was stunned. Um, When you started writing this, did you have an idea of how it would all play out or are you more of a pantser? 
I always uh, write with the ending in mind. Okay. So I, I basically write the ending first. Mm. And I, um, I was editing the... Um, I was editing the novel for Jane in Love, which is my first novel, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about um, I was thinking about uh, sort of this Marie character and um, sort of similar to uh, Jane Jane Austen, who um, was sort of a, a pioneer. Mm. Um, you know, she wrote when it was frowned upon for women to mm. do so. And so I was thinking about, oh, you know, uh, um, uh, what, what sort of a mystery that could be around that. And mm. I won't say anything more because I don't no. want to <laughs> But I sort of, um, I love the idea of, um, of a, um, a girl uh, looking for a mother. Mm. And, yep. uh, and I sort of... Uh, nutted out sort of the ending and I showed it to my sister and she mm. said um that's brilliant <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's your second novel yeah oh that's so, amazing so how long did this one take to write it, it took about um I, th- I think probably it took about maybe six months to get the first draft wow that's and so fast yeah, well, I, I was in the groove mm. because I had just um, I had just finished uh, Jane in Love, and mm. I when I was um, when I was being offered the deal to write Jane in Love um, with Penguin, uh, sort of on the way out in that sort of initial pitch meeting, they said to me, "Oh, by the way, if you've if you've got any other." Have you got it? If you had a second novel in mind, what would it be? And I said, Oh, well, I've got this <laughs> one page that I sort of showed my sister. Mm. And they said, Oh, great. And then a, a, a few days later, um, my agent called me and said, Oh, they're going to buy both of them. So oh, wow. I had, so I had a deadline mm. and I had mm. the sort of, I had the deal already done. So yeah. that was a great motivator to get it, mm. get it finished. Yeah. And so, um, with Jane in Love, are you writing the script for the film adaptation? I am, yes. Wow. Yeah. So have you done that or are you in the process of? In the process of. So I've written the first sort of draft and wow. I'm working with the director and the producers at the moment. We're sort of um, going through a little editing process and mm-hmm. then once we're all sort of happy um, that it's in good shape we'll mm-hmm. um, send it off to Amazon Studios which is the studio um, mm. for their notes and then hopefully hopefully they like it. <laughs> How are you finding that process because I'm sure that the sort of scripting is you know something that's pretty natural to you but then scripting something that you've written as a novel yeah so it is different it's um what what I say is the main difference between novels and screenwriting mm. I think when you're writing a novel um you need to um set up all the sensory information for mm. the reader you've got to set the scene for them so yeah. you have to describe what everything smells like what it mm. looks like what it tastes like um the character's feelings their internal thoughts you've got to mm. set everything up for them mm. and when you're writing that in um a screenplay those things um what things look like well that's the production designer's job yeah 
what things sound like. That's the sound designer's job. Mm. Um, how a character is feeling um, and reacting in a scene, that's the actor's job. So you don't need to put any of that stuff in. So for writing um, a novel, I had to forget my um, screenwriting sort of muscle and, mm. and build up all that sensory, learn to put in all that sensory information. And now that I've gone back to writing a screenplay, I've got to forget all that and go back to just cutting it down to its absolute bare bones. Is, is it more like writing dialogue in a way? It's Yes, you're right. It's completely dialogue. There might be a line or two here and there saying, um, you know, establishing a location mm. or you might um, put a line or two in there about um, what a character's doing, like their action, mm. um, and that's it. You mm. want lots and lots of white, white space um, on, the, on the screenplay. It's just mostly dialogue and a few sparse lines of action, yeah. Yeah, wow. So when you wrote Jane in Love, that was obviously your mm. first novel attempt, was it? Yes, it was. And yes. so were you nervous thinking, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to fill in all the sensory stuff or did you just sort of, were you surprised that it just sort of came out and you could write it? I had no idea what I was doing. So <laughs> I um, I said to, I, I had the idea for Jane in Love and I um. Uh, Jane in Love, in case anyone um, isn't aware, is about Jane Austen and um, she time travels to the present day and falls in love with a modern day man. Uh, Jane Austen in her real life never had uh, any children. She never married. She, you know, it's this great irony that the, the queen of love stories mm-hmm. herself died a spinster. So anyway, she falls in love with this modern day guy and uh, she's so happy in the 21st century that she decides to stay as soon as she decides to stay, all of her books begin disappearing from the shelves. And so she has to decide whether she's going to uh, stay in the present where she's happy or return to her own time uh, and become Jane Austen. And uh, so um, I always had in my head that um, it would make a good movie, like, Mm. you know, to see Jane Austen time travelling to the present day. There's there's (laughs) some funny scenes there. Yeah. so I originally had it as an idea for a screenplay and I told, I pitched it to some of my sort of industry friends and they said, oh, you know, that would actually make a good book because mm. it's um, literary. It's got a literary theme. Yeah. It's about writing. And um, so I said, if I ever get a break between jobs, because um, TV work is all contract work, you might work three months on something and then you get a break mm-hmm. um and I thought if I ever get a break I will sit down and, and write this mm. and a break came up and uh I said okay well it's now or never uh, I had no idea what I was doing so I enrolled in a um novel writing course wow a novel writing course and um and in that course I learned all about um putting in that sensory information Hmm. and uh, by the end of the course I had a, a manuscript, a first wow. draft. Yeah. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> well, it w- well, I tell you what, it wasn't easy but it was great to have, it was great because I was desperate. <laughs> I, had, I had, so I'd stopped taking work hmm. and I had 
six months and I said to myself, right, you've got six months to do this. Mm. Um, and if you don't do it, then you will just, you're just going to have to go and get another TV job because all your <laughs> money will have run out yeah. and you won't have a novel, you know. So I was, I was sort of, I was sort of had the desperation. I had, I had um, a whip. A timeline. Yeah, I did. I did. Yes. Wow. That's so cool. Um, and so have you given yourself another timeline for the next one? I, yes, well, I'm not sure uh, because the, the last two years have been very busy um, mm. doing both those and so I feel like I might, yeah, just take a little bit of a break and see what I want to write next. I have a few ideas mm. um, but uh, anything, thing that I write now I want to make sure it's something that I really want to write mm. yeah. yeah yeah not just be sort of sucked into the next yeah. book deal thing exactly yeah. churning out a, a book a yes year or yeah 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 um so when you are in writing mode what does your writing day look like I tend to go by the mantra don't get it right get it written Mm. I find it's always, uh, yeah, it's always easier to uh, edit something that you've already written, even if it's rubbish. It's mm. always easier to edit something you've already written and to stare at a blank page and um, tr try to write something perfect first time. Mm. So what I do is I just uh, sit down and I set myself a target and I say, right, you're going to have 100,000 words by, um, you know, four months' time or something. Mm. Okay, so if you're going to have 100,000 words, 100, words by four months' time, then divide it by the number of days you've got and that's how many words you need to write a day. And, um, and then by the end of it, you know, you'll have 100,000 words. They, won't, they might not be any good, mm. <laughs> but at least you've got something to, to work with then. And do you and, find... And yeah, yeah, sorry, do, do you find um, at that time when, when you've reached 100,000, is there a lot of redrafting involved or is it surprisingly intact? You, I always think you, you read it back and you go, actually, this isn't that bad. <laughs> I've, you know, yeah, I was, I was, you know, going to hang myself two weeks ago, but this actually <laughs> isn't that bad. Um, and you, and I think because as you write as well, I think you, you start editing in your head as mm. well and yep. um, things become clearer. Um, but once that first draft is written, I think, I think about the third draft is usually, mm. is usually the point at which you feel like it's ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find that with most things. Yeah, it's usually the third draft. And is that sort of pretty standard in, in TV script land as well, that there's a yeah. few draftings involved? Actually, yeah, there is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you, your first thing you do is you do a scene breakdown and that's just like a sentence or two saying what happens in each scene. Mm -hmm. And then you go off and you write a first draft. Then you write, a, you get notes uh, from a producer or the network or um, the director and then you write a second draft. And then from that point, you might do a couple of polishes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it is. It's about three drafts. Yeah. Um, mm. 
And for those of us writers who haven't had the sort of experience in film and TV, is there anything um, that you can sort of give us any hints of about story or structure that's helped in your novel writing? Story or structure? Well, I mean, I... Or plot, um, really, because you'd be good at plotting. <laughs> yeah, um, I think... Um, Always, I think if it's in a if it's in a film, if it's in a novel, if it's mm. in any story, uh, character is key. Mm. Um, it has to be an engaging character, and they have to want something. Mm. Doesn't matter what it is; it just needs to be something. Mm. We don't have to like them, don't have to like the character, but we we want to see them succeed, or mm. at least we're interested mm. in are they going to succeed in getting the thing that they want and I think if you're if you really want to write a good story um, write an ending that is transcendent Mm. Um, the character um, who we may not like but uh, we want to see if they get what they want Mm. Um, have that character not get what they want but have them get what they need Mm. instead Mm. Um, uh, yeah very wise yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that transcendence is is kind of the thing, isn't it? Um, mm. The je ne sais quoi at the end. Yeah, I heard um, I heard uh, one screenwriter. He was saying um, it's like the difference between a movie like Indiana Jones and a movie like Dead Poets Society. Mm. Indiana Jones uh, is a great movie and mm. um you get everything you you know there's, there's a happy ending and mm. you leave um uh, very satisfied that the mm. movie and they're very entertained and uh then you forget about it you know yep. 10 minutes later mm. whereas uh you watch um something like dead poet society and uh the ending is uh, bittersweet mm. um and satisfying and um you you are moved Mm. And and you leave you leave the theater um, with uh, something to think about, which mm. you think about for days afterwards. Yeah. So is that emotional sort of connection what you're working towards always? That that move. Yes. That, yeah. Yes. That, mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, I was going to say, sort of on the surface, your books seem quite different, but there's for both of them, this fascination about um, women's place in society. Um, yes. Are you, are you conscious of having that theme running through both books? Yes. The, the theme of, of women and work um, bewitches me. Mm. I, um, when I wrote um, Jane in Love and um, it's often Jane in Love's often marketed as a romantic comedy mm. and it is that it's um you know there's a love story in there and um it's funny because it's got Jane Austen in it <laughs> and she was a very witty woman uh but the the thing that really um uh 
really interested me about that was um, that discovery that I made the first time I ever read a Jane Austen novel and loved it and looked up her biography. I discovered that she never married or had any children. Mm. And um, the idea of that, of a, of a woman wanting to pursue a career in mm. a society, a patriarchal society, let's mm. face it, in, in a society in which um, women pursuing their careers was frowned upon mm. um, and and I discovered that um, so many other writers as well the Bronte sisters Emily Dickinson um, Louisa May Alcott who wrote Little Women all of these women uh, you know even Sylvia Platt from mm. Virginia Woolf and all of these women either had disastrous romantic lives mm. or none at all and uh that sort of saddened me and it didn't surprise me. And and I think any any woman knows this, that you still encounter that opposition today. Mm-hmm. It's still um, it's still seen as the woman's job to raise the children. And it's still usually seen as the the, the man's career that is more important. Mm-hmm. And um, so what happens to a woman who wants to pursue a creative life or wants to pursue a um, a high-achieving professional career, such as uh, being a doctor or Mm. like in Secrets My Father Kept, um, and what happens to those ambitions? Mm. Yeah, and you've got such a strong sort of opposition story-wise right there, don't you? Um, yeah yeah that's really the antagonist you know that's really the bad guy in in Marie's story she's um she wants to be a doctor and um society uh is the bad guy they're not going to let her do it yeah and it's sad that it still resonates so strongly today (laughs) yes it does it Mm. does yeah can you um, can you tell us anything about what you're working on next? Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I uh, so I'm working on my uh, well, I'm working on the screenplay yeah. for Jane and Mark currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, once that's finished, I will start my third novel. Um, and I've, like I said, I've got a few ideas, mm. um, but um, nothing really concrete. Well, a few concrete ideas, but nothing really that I've actually started putting pen to paper. Nothing that I've started getting it right, not getting it written. You don't know the end. You don't right. know the ending don't yet, do you? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> or maybe actually, you do. Yeah, maybe I do. Maybe I do. Yes. Yeah. So, do you yeah. tend to write up sort of pretty um, complicated structural notes, and do you have post-it notes stuck on walls, that kind of thing? Or do you just use a Word document or how do you actually get it all down? Oh, these days I use iPhone notes. Oh, right. I, um, yeah. When I, whenever I think of something, I just um, I put it, I put it um, in iPhone notes. And then when I, yeah, I think that's kind of it. I mean, when I, um, when I get an idea for um, chapters, Mm. I put it in a uh, spreadsheet. I put them up in the spreadsheets, you know, so just like this is chapter one and what might happen. Okay. Um, but I, um, I also 
working in TV and film for um, almost like, let's say, 15 years now mm. means that um, I do have um, structure sort of drilled into me. Mm. So I'm good at um, I'm good at having like a, a structure usually in my head. Yeah, um, it's mm. probably instinctual for you, mm, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So when you did your course, you were thinking, "Oh yes, I know about all this sort of story plot stuff." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think those things um, I was I was quite up on already, mm. um, but I, I never heard to hear it again. It was um, it was great to um, actually sit down and be be shown the things that mm. um, like shown the concepts yeah. that I do that I do every day at work. Did you study film at university or how did you kind did. of get into it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, um, I always wanted to be a filmmaker. Mm. I, um, so I went to uni, I did communications and then I, at, I went to Sydney Uni and Sydney Uni in those days used to have a film school attached to it. And I, so I did a postgrad at the Sydney Film School. Mm. And my final work for um, at Sydney Film School, you had to write a 15-minute screenplay for a short film and I wrote that short film screenplay and I sent it to the Australian Film Commission and uh, they funded it and so I made wow. it into a short film and that got into a bunch of film festivals and from that I got a job in the Channel 7 script department my wow. first ever job yeah was um, I was a script coordinator for All Saints oh cool that was a great yeah. show yeah yeah I loved it too yeah Oh, yeah, you've worked on some amazing um, TV over your, over the years. Um, yeah, we've got brilliant TV in Australia. And, um, yes, no, I've been very, very lucky to have some great jobs, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, in terms of your own reading and authors, who do you read and sort of, like, yeah, what inspires you with literature? I, as a, as a young girl and as a young woman I loved reading um you know Wuthering Heights mm. and Jane Eyre and um Pride and Prejudice uh so I loved those I loved those old mm. classics with um you know with a, with a young woman trying to find her way in the world yeah. <laughs> I love those and um at the moment I've been really enjoying what did I read recently that I really liked I liked um Olive Kittredge have you read Olive Kittredge no it's um it won the Pulitzer Prize a couple of years ago it's about this grumpy old woman in a town (laughs) uh who sort of who sort of gets a maybe like a second chance at at life and second chance at being happy and um it's just really beautifully written Mm. and um, so I've been getting into sort of books like that at the moment, uh, but I love anything with a good story, anything mm. with a with a great character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It all starts with character, doesn't it? And your yes. characters are so sort of three dimensional. Um, yeah, I just they felt so incredibly real. Um, so that's. A testament to all those years of character development in script writing, I suppose. Oh, thank you. I'm so pleased. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of who is going to play um, Jane, do you know that? Or oh, you probably can't reveal it. 
So there's no one cast yet. When okay. we originally had the meeting with Amazon, we had to give um, three or four names of mm. suggestions, not really as we want this person to play it, but this is the tone of the movie, as yep. in these are the types of actresses who we think would mm. be great. Um, and we put forward uh, Saoirse Ronan, oh, uh, yeah. the Irish actress, yeah. who was, um, was she Joe in Little Women recently? Mm. Um, who else did we put She'd forward? be fabulous. Yeah, she'd be good, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, Brie Larson, who was oh, at yep. Marvel. Yeah. And Jodie Comer, who's the assassin in Killing Eve. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But... She's, um, she's English. Very sort of funny, but um, quite tough as well. So, yeah. So, will you get a say? I don't think I will, but I, but I will. I'll yeah. say something. <laughs> I will. <laughs> oh, that would be such a thrill to see your book sort of yeah, come alive. Wonderful. Yes. Oh, yes, it would. Amazing. Um, Rachel, is there anyone, anything else you wanted to sort of say about the book? Before we wrap no, up, no, no, I can't think of I can't think of anything. You asked brilliant questions. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Secrets my father kept is out through Penguin, and it's in bookstores now. Thanks, thanks, thanks for joining us.